0: Welcome to All the King's Men, a ministry podcast of the men's ministry of Restoration Place, Tallahassee. Warning, listeners to this podcast will hear authentic, life-changing stories from men who know Jesus and have experienced His work in their life. Be prepared to be impacted by their stories and relationship with Jesus. Here is your host, Pastor Tony Tolson. Good afternoon, good evening, good day. Welcome to All the King's Men podcast. Today we have something very special for you. Over the last year, we've seen such incredible devastation across the globe from weather events, earthquakes, and war. This has been a really interesting and devastating year for the lives of so many people across the globe, both in the U.S. and abroad. But today I want to focus our attention on a group of people in Ukraine. Over the last few weeks, I've been working on this to bring to you something very special. A couple of missionaries in Ukraine have volunteered to spend some time with me to dive into what it's like to be on the ground. These two missionaries are Kim Forrest and James Hopkins. James Hopkins has been in Ukraine for about 25 years and has seen many changes. In that country and so when he talks today you're going to hear someone who not only ministers to the people in ukraine but lives and has lived among them for many years welcome to the program today james can you tell me a little bit about what you've seen there in
1: ukraine all the people in the east they're really really broken more than you can more than you can understand and when you go to one village and you go to another village some villages don't look too bad but then you go to another village where there's just a few houses left, or you see all the schools and all the hospitals the Russians destroyed. They just totally destroyed all schools, all preschools, all hospitals, all government buildings. There's homes left, but many of the homes they destroyed too. I would guess more than a million structures have been destroyed in Ukraine. it it could be more. From what I've seen, it's devastating. And I've been to a lot of places in the nine months I've gone out. But it's really really wonderful and really hard because when you see this devastation and stuff literally you will cry every day I cry every day when I go out in these places I literally have to get away sometimes just cry out to God on the other hand seeing all these people repent you have great joy so I have this amazing joy and uh you know I, I, the Lord just kind of shared with me a long time ago it's a joy he has with us. For his children that follow him he has this amazing joy all the time but on the other side of god he's always weeping for the lost mm-hmm. and when you go on a trip like this it's compounded 10 times in your life and you'll get a huge grasp of the love of jesus but you also the the brokenness of jesus at the same time thank you
0: james before the war life was a little different i want to welcome kim Forrest to the podcast today tell me about ukraine prior to this war breaking out tell me what life was like in ukraine what was a ukrainian day like
2: they're very proud of their freedom you know they're not a lot of not kind of rules that we live with in our countries Uh, maybe that's some of why they ended up in trouble but Uh, I think even the Russians were surprised at how well they lived and how well they were developing. I was surprised at how uh, skilled they were with IT. Like literally uh, all of my Ukrainian Slavic English students, um, because I teach English online, they all are in some kind of IT or software. So they're very, very much educated and they're very multilingual people. So all of them speak at least two and as much as four or five languages. They're just very adept at it.
0: Amazing. The day of a Ukrainian, I mean, is it like we have in North America where we live in homes, we go to work, we go to stores, Mm -hmm. we go to movie theaters? Is it kind of westernized in that sense?
2: I was shocked at how the the average average monthly income of a Ukrainian is supposed to be about 200 U S and uh, that's the average. And yet the clothing stores and they're all expensive clothes. So I don't know. They just love their clothes. <laughs> so they get an and average of
0: $200 U S to- and they need to go buy mm-hmm. a, uh, an outfit. Is it what you would pay in the U S or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes more.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. I bought clothes when I came, I had to come back to Canada in 2020. I had all kinds of problems that happened to me in the last five years being there. But one of them was I had to come all the way back to Canada in 2020 to deal with my visa. And I brought clothes back with me and I brought electronics back with me because electronics are also very expensive.
0: So their cost of living as far as maybe housing and such might be low, but all of the goods and services that they need or, or buy some. are very expensive. Well, only
2: some, only all certain some. things. Yeah. Okay. Everything else is pretty, pretty darn cheap.
0: Tell us about the church, and the state of the church, uh, the Christian <clears throat> church specifically in Ukraine.
2: Well, there's certainly a lot of Orthodox. Um, I became part of a church, uh, Assembly of God church. Within a few months of being there, I joined their community English program that they ran through their church, and uh, uh, partnered with the pastor's wife because she was running the program. Within a few months of that, and it's a very lively church. There's there's still good evangelical type churches, Baptist churches, but a lot of Orthodox.
0: Take me to the day that the people in Ukraine come to realize that. They're about to enter a war. What was that like? What was the mood of the country?
2: The they mood didn't of the people. They didn't. They were all they, in denial. They were in denial. They just didn't think it was going to happen.
0: And is that because of the constant threats that have gone on for a long period of time?
2: That was part of it. Yes. Because he'd been saber, saber rattling for, A long time. But I mean, I knew it was going to happen. And I think everybody else knew it was going to happen because we were surrounded and he was building hospitals right at the borders, field hospitals. So, I mean, and tanks building up. So, I mean, if you're not about to invade, what in the world would you be doing?
0: That day come when there was the first bomb. And Mm -hmm. so was that near you or was that? Uh, a bit away from you?
2: For most Ukrainians, the first couple of days, it was near everybody Um, because they targeted almost every major city. I was in Lutsk, which is a smaller city. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't bombed as much. Um, It was one of the safer ones. But yeah, the first couple of days was extremely terrifying because we had one small military airport and the YWAM missionary base where I was living was just a few miles from it. So we could hear the gunfire, the huge gunfight that was going on for two days. Um, We were scared all the time that we were going to start seeing Russians coming across the field. We were right on a gas pipeline, the property. It was underneath. So one bomb would have blown up that whole area. And of course, we were bombed a couple of times in March, which again, we woke up one morning to see... Like big bomb and smoke that burned for close to eighteen hours. They wow. that's when they that's when he bombed uh, one of our the fuel depots. Those mm-hmm. were some of the uh, targets that he wanted. Of course, to I mean everything that's been done is just to make Ukrainians' lives absolutely miserable and the most difficult possible. Destroying all the fuel depots, destroying the electrical substations um just everything to make life miserable
0: what has been the response of the churches in Ukraine to minister to their people and their communities
2: incredible they're all giving uh, the, the ones that i know of are they they got trucks they got their part their partners my church already had uh partnered up with uh, countries like Sweden and uh, Czech Republic and Poland, just trying to get humanitarian supplies so that they could pack up their trucks and go East, which they do and they get on top of their trucks and they preach the gospel while they're handing out whatever foods that's come in.
0: The response of the people.
2: Yeah. Oh. there. I mean, certainly <laughs> there's nothing like, um, you know, your house living in your partially bombed house right. than, to make you think about God. And especially if, People come along with basic staples that you don't even have. I mean, there's been a lot of this winter that people in the east didn't have electricity, didn't have windows.
1: You know, the, the Bible says that God takes things Satan meant for evil and turns it to good, and you can see this uh, war is just horrendous. Roughly 230,000 on our side dead. If you looked at the church in the west, if that's the west of Kiev, and 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 then you go to the east where the most of the fighting is, where the many of the cities were occupied by the Russians, and many of them have been freed, hundreds of them, if not more, other villages have been freed. The eastern part of Ukraine was as far as Protestant Christian, 0.02%, roughly. If you look to the west where we're sitting, it's three percent or more depending on the city you go to. So, huge difference, very few Christians in the East, very much still the Soviet type of thinking going on there, but they would call themselves Christians because they're Orthodox or Catholic Christians, but they really don't know anything about what they believe. And we asked them, and none of them could tell you about Christianity and explain salvation message or anything to that effect, zero. Um, Now, we did run into a few villages where there was a few believers, of course, because there are believers in spotted in different places. But literally, you'd go to some villages of several hundred people, a thousand people, and there would be no Christians at all. And we would go into a village with a truckload of bags of food to give to people. And the goal is to not just feed them, but explain what Christianity is, This giving the salvation message of Jesus Christ. So we gather, we call a village leader, and we ask them how many people are there. If it's several hundred families, then we can handle it. We gather the people all together. The the mayor will call a few people and everybody calls each other and everybody needs food. So everybody in the village comes. And then we explain to everybody once they're gathered, we have a team of maybe 10 to 12 people. We gather them, explain that everybody, no matter what, will get a bag of food for one per family. And then we, as a team have a couple people share testimonies. We sing a couple praise songs to God. And then usually I or one other guy will give the salvation message. And what we give it really uh, in a strong way, we, we don't dance around much. We tell them heaven and hell. We tell them that about the love of Jesus Christ. We explain to them that you can't earn heaven through your good works. We give good examples to people so that they get revelation of that. And when we're done, we tell them now, you're going to have an opportunity to make the greatest choice of your life and the most important choice of your life. And that's to choose to be a Christ follower or not. And there's consequences. If you take the free gift of Jesus Christ, that means you get to go to heaven. It's your choice. If you reject the free gift of God, you ignore the message, you choose hell. It's your choice. You get to send yourself to heaven or hell. That is by the grace and only one way, is through Jesus Christ. But we say, if you're not willing to read the Bible every day, you're not willing to commit your life to Jesus Christ, please do not raise your hand. We don't want you to raise your hand. You're not going to get a bag of food because you raise your hand. You're already in the bag of food. We want you, if you're serious to follow Jesus Christ, to raise your hand. And I raised my hand and of everybody in every village raises their hands. Some villages, 100% will raise their hands. And then we lead them in a prayer of repentance and accepting Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We pray for them, and then we give them food, hand the food out to them. And the fun part is people will come up and say, that's the first time I've ever heard what a Christian is. First time I understood somebody explained what I believe, now I know what I believe. And it's you know very encouraging when you hear things like that. You you come into these villages, and honestly, you have to understand they were occupied by the Russians. So their husbands or family members or neighbors were killed, and other terrible things I won't say in this podcast happen, and a lot of terrible things happen. A lot of the villagers you go into, there's still mines all over the place. We've had guys actually. Pick up a mine. I actually walked into a minefield by accident. So things happen, but God is with us. There's a lot of pressure when you're kind of walking. You need to be careful where you walk. And this is what these people live with every day. Not every village has mines all over it, but there are some villages. There, the kids go out to play and they lose a leg or lose an arm because there's butterfly mines out. If somebody runs over a tank mine with a vehicle, then there, it's it's pretty terrible we go to all these places, we've been to about 100 villages, and we've seen, praise the Lord, over 5,000 people in nine months come to Jesus Christ. People are hungry. People are ready. You don't need to prepare them. They're ready. They're prepared. They've seen a lot. They've fought a lot. They've prayed a lot. They've cried out to Jesus. They they wonder why God let this happen to them. And, and we have an opportunity to explain, you know, God didn't cause the war. Our sins cause a war, the sinful nature of man, the evil pride and greed cause this war. God was always with you. He never left you or forsaked you. He's calling you to you to him right now. People are getting revelation of God. And this isn't cheap, right? No, no. We 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 probably spend the uh, you know between five and, and ten thousand dollars each trip we go out buying food, getting equipment, the gas. It's a long drive. We drive for 10 days, we drive to many different villages. We don't take any money for ourselves. It's all for the ministry. It all goes to the to the uh, buying of food, equipment for gas, and things like that. So we've done 17 of these trips from 7 to 10 days, basically.
0: What are the other things that you can think of that people at churches, organizations in the U.S. and North America can and should be doing?
2: Well, I think everybody has seen what the prayers of God have done for this tiny little David of a country. It has beaten off Goliath uh, against all odds. And I truly believe that all the prayers had everything to do with that.
1: Yes, I agree with that.
2: How could they're so undermanned? And and this is the biggest country in the world. How in the world can they be losing (laughs) to such a small country? It's got to be the prayer. But the most practical thing is what um, I tried to do last year. My, the, the pastor's wife, my friend, Katya, she asked me if I could try and get my contacts in Canada to organize shipments. That's the main thing. Like you can send money. Yes. But we need, they need product. We try to get as much product in as possible before the winter. And we were starting to do that in June to prepare for winter. These, Ukrainians are not lazy. I mean, the world has seen that. they are man, I I've seen Ukrainians you know, out like construction guys out there for 12 hours in the heat, you know they, they, they're just hardworking people and they're not going to sit around. They need uh people to organize supplies that they can bring in and they can ship and uh ship it directly to them so that they can get it to mostly the East but some, some in the West because there's a lot of displaced people in the West. The cities are full. Lutsk is, I think, twice the population it was pre-war.
1: We just see that is this is our calling. We see everybody who's come. I'd say 90% of everybody who comes in these trips are incredibly moved, and they want to be part of it because they see that there's, they've never been part of something so amazing in their life. You know, God started this ministry. I didn't start this ministry. God started this ministry. I just fell into it with God, was led by God to do this. So I don't get taking any credit for anything. As I tell people, when they say, oh, you guys are so good. I said, no, I'm not good. If you take God out of my life, I am selfish. I would never be here. No way would I ever be here. But because I have Jesus Christ, I want to be here. And I want to share this good news with you guys. You know, I could be anywhere in the world. I let them know I could be anywhere in the world drinking tea or cola on the beach. But I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be here with you because God loves you. God is here for you. And, and we're just sharing Jesus Christ with you. We're sharing the hope. And we know this will change Ukraine. We know this will give you um, peace and joy that you've never had before. And this is what you need right now because they're a broken nation.
0: Thank you, James and Kim. We really appreciate you sharing with us today. I want to challenge you as you've listened to this podcast today. Think about the things that you are doing to affect your world for Christ. These two individuals have given up their lives and are living in a very, very challenging environment, ministering to people that have needs just that are so great, it would be hard to even fathom what they're feeling, much less experiencing. But as Christians, we're called to do more than just think about or just send money, but we're called to act. This year at Restoration Place, we're launching opportunities for you as individuals to become active missionaries, to go and to meet the needs of individuals, and that will be lived out through local missions, statewide, national, and international opportunities as they arise But I want to challenge you that this situation in Ukraine is not a Ukrainian problem. It is your problem. It is my problem. It is fellow men and women, brothers and sisters who are suffering, who are dying, who are alone, who need you and I to do more than just think of them from time to time. So today, I didn't want to just give you a story. I wanted to give you a challenge that you have an opportunity to do more. We are told according to Christ and according to his word that we are to go into the highways and byways, preaching, teaching, and sharing the message of the gospel. Jesus is very clear that the great commission is ours, that we are to go. It is an action. It is not just a thought. It is an action. It requires feet. It requires change of motivation. And so today I want to really encourage you, as you listen to the words of these missionaries, that these are challenges to you to do more than you've ever done before, to, to put feet to your faith. We have, as an organization, taken on James Hopkins as a missionary. If you're listening to this podcast, you're getting the first word of that. We've just done that this month, supporting him every month. And we will begin a real relationship with James and his organization, whereby we can meet additional needs financially, but hopefully very soon we can take a team of individuals to the Ukraine to minister, to actually go and go into these unoccupied areas and help people where they actually are, to love on people. This is not, again, something that someone else needs to do. It is something that we need to do. So today I want to challenge you that this is the message for the day. This is the message for the hour. God is pleased with obedience. God is pleased with action. And I want to challenge you that today is the day to think differently about missions because you are a missionary. And I just thank you again for listening today. May the challenge, may the words that you've heard today be more than just a distant challenge that someone else needs to be actually uh, live out, I want you to understand that it is your responsibility as an individual listener and believer. And so again, thank you for joining us today on All the King's Men. If you have any questions, make sure you reach out to me. And please subscribe. That's how people get to hear more about us. The algorithms work through subscriptions, when people subscribe, and when they like and comment, and so engage with us and share. We want to get the word out that there are exciting things in store for all of us this year, and God has a plan for your life that will blow your mind. So again, thank you for joining us today, and have a great week. Thank you for joining us today on All the King's Men please share, subscribe, and like the podcast anytime you can. To contact Pastor Tony, email tony at myrpt.org. He would love to connect with you. On behalf of Pastor Tony and all of us at Restoration Place, have a great week, and we will see you next time.